Matthew chapter 28. For the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the Great Commission. And I hope that we are almost familiar with this verse, that we've got it memorized. This is what, thanks guys, this is what we are called to do as a church, right? We are called to a task, given a mission by Jesus who has all authority and is with us, and he calls us to do something, and we call it the Great Commission, and we read it in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray and then we'll dive in. Father, thank you for gathering us this morning. Lord, you have a word for us. Help us hear from you today with everything that's going on in our lives. Help us be still so we can hear from you this morning. We are in desperate need of you. We ask that your spirit moves and lead us into the way of everlasting. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So I am not a Starbucks fan. My wife is. I'm more of a Dunkin' Donut leaning fan. Not just because of the donuts. I like their coffee. But in 2008, Starbucks did something that many other organizations and franchises thought was crazy. You see, in 2008, the economy was crashing, and Starbucks was trying to be very aggressive in spreading their brand. Had thousands of stores opened, putting stores on the next block from where they've already had a store, and they were on the brink of collapsing. They fired the CEO, hired the guy that left in 2000 to retirement. He came back and said, this is what we're going to do. This is our problem. We're selling expensive drinks with bad coffee. He had gone to multiple Starbucks, tasted the coffee, and it was awful. And so he closed every Starbucks for a day. And he trained, they trained their baristas how to make a good cup of coffee. He went back to the mission of Starbucks. Now listen, I couldn't tell you the size. There's a grande, a venti, and a what? A tall. There we go. And a tall. See, and, and listen, you can get the, the frappuccinos. I'm not even sure what that is. One of them's cold. One of them's hot. You can get Thai, Che. I, I, there's so many names. It's a different language. It's a different language, right? But I do know this. They forgot what they were about. And they were about to fail. And then a guy comes in and says, we make bad coffee and sell it for an expensive price. We're going to change that. And so they train. They start again. And now, obviously, you know, they're a booming business. And when we look at the church, did you know we have a mission? We are called by Jesus, whom we follow, to make disciples. And it's not given to an individual alone. It's given to a group of people that come together to follow Christ. Our mission is to make disciples. And if we're not doing that, we're failing at the mission God's given us. And so the reason we have spent three weeks on this is because this is vital to who we are. If, if what we believe is really what we believe, this is what we'll be about. 
We believe that Jesus lived a perfect life, died in our place. Right? I'm messed up. You're messed up. We need someone to stand before God on our behalf. That's what Jesus does when He goes to the cross. He lays His life down. He pays for my sin, so I get His righteousness, so that before the Father I have the righteousness of the Son. It's called a sacrifice, a substitute. And we know that Jesus was buried, but He didn't stay in the tomb. Three days later, He rose from the grave. He's walking around talking to His boys. And then he says, hey, before I leave, this is what I want you to be about. And he reminds his audience that, hey, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And now think about this. Think about if, let's say your mom asks you to do something at the house and you just shrug your shoulders at her. It's not going to end well for you, right? Your mom has authority over you. And so Hey, I need you to do the dishwash. I need you to get the dishes clean. Take the garbage out. And you're like, ah, I'm all right. I'm comfortable. We wouldn't do that to the authority of a mother. And here we have Jesus saying, all authority has been given to me. Do this. And yet the church, in many instances, is like, ah, I'm a little too busy for that. We don't get to shrug our shoulders at Jesus. And so we see when it comes to making disciples, it's really not that complicated. The three aspects of making disciples are going, right? And we, and we showed how, how that looks. Like, and I, I wanted to, to make sure we were thinking right, because a lot of times when we hear going, we think, well, I got, I got to go on a trip across the country to some other country somewhere. But that's not what the text is saying. It's as you go, as you go, as you live your life. Make disciples in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, in your schools. Make disciples. And we saw that you have to be intentional. And we saw that the church was intentional in two areas. One, they went with the Spirit, led them. The Holy Spirit said, hey, I need you to go here. They're like, uh, I'm gone. See ya. They were led by the Holy Spirit, and then they speak boldly. They weren't shy about telling people about Jesus. And a lot of times, we're like, oh, I don't want to step on any toes well, there's an eternity at stake. And if we're not sounding the alarm, no one else is. And so we want to be spirit-led, go where God leads us, and we want to speak about Jesus. But we also know that mission requires sacrifice. Every mission requires sacrifice. If you ever played sports in the band, you sacrifice your time, your energy, your effort, you get after it, hour after hour, day after day, for a sport that doesn't last, for a competition that doesn't last. And here, Jesus invites us on a mission with Him, with eternal consequences, eternal rewards. And it will cost you. Jesus made that clear. He said, take up your cross and follow me. It's not an easy mission, but it's worth it. And then we see we've got to be vocal. So that's, that's the three key pieces. If we're going to go, that's how we have to go. And then, last week we talked about baptism, and I loved your responses. And these are conversations that we need to have, right? The baptismal should not be dry here. As people come to Christ, they should be baptized. And, and we saw what that meant, and what does that look like. It talks about how it points to the gospel. Underneath the water, Jesus died. Out of the water, he rose from the grave, points to a new identity. 
You have new life in Christ. It's a public display of what God has already done in your life. You're buried to sin. And you have new life. You're alive to God. That's how Romans 6 puts it. Shows us that we should be walking this way in obedience. It sets a good pace for obedience. Jesus says, do it. I'm going to do it. He's Lord of my life. I'm going to follow him in believer's baptism. And then finally, it's a picture of a family. Right? He's brought us together, and baptism is like the jersey for a team. It identifies you as, hey, this guy belongs to the family. This lady's my sister. And you see that as a sign with baptism. One baptism, one family. And then we get to this part. Teaching to observe. So, three questions I'm going to ask. And they're all personal. I want you to be able to answer them. We'll have differing answers all throughout. A variety of responses. But here's my goal. One, if you're not following Jesus, the invitation to you is follow Jesus. And the second question and hope for me is if you're following Jesus... Bring somebody with you. So number one, if you're not following Jesus, the invitation is for you to follow Christ. He is inviting you to himself. You can know him. And then the other group, if you know Christ and you're following him, who are you bringing with you? All right, question number one, am I following Jesus? So, so this is teaching to observe everything I've commanded. Can anyone give me some of the commands of Jesus? Jason, you want to write? Whiteboard it. So, hey, this is going to be interactive. This is not a lecture. Oh, oh, hey, easy. Easy, easy on the toes. Can anyone get, hey, and you can, hey, you can, have, you can open up the book. This is an open book quiz. Love your neighbors. We don't have spell check on the whiteboard, Jason. I before E except after C, neighbors. Honor mom and dad. What else has Jesus called us to? He even goes further, right? Don't kill. But I tell you, if you've been angry at your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. We're going to talk about that over the summer. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Woo! I think a lot of people know Jesus said that. A lot of people don't realize that it applies to them. Love your enemies. Say it again. Be holy. Be holy. Y'all hey, you're doing good. You're doing good, man. Trace? Pray. That's right. Hey, you don't have to number them. Just put them on there. Pray. Hey, thank you, Tracy, for keeping it short and sweet. Pray. Hey, hey, hey. And I'll keep going. Jesus taught us how to give. Give. Fast. Serve, go after others, let your light shine before others so people will see your good deeds. Uh, let your light shine. I'm sorry, got carried away. Hey, and, and listen, this is just in the beginning of Matthew. But when you read the word and you look at Jesus, like this is a long list. Like, oh my gosh. Have you ever taken a trip? Long trip? I've taken a few trips. I've almost killed some students going to Daytona on a van trip. Thankfully, Tracy is riding shotgun, <laughs> traffic stopping. We're trying to get there. You know how many directions. Hey, what's the app you use, Trace, to help me with traffic? Waze. Waze. 
Waze gets us around blocks and construction. I didn't know it. I'm just using GPS. He says, this is faster, this is faster. We're on back roads. We're on back roads headed to Daytona, Florida with a bunch of students in the van. Right? There's a lot of distractions going on. You know how complicated it is to get to Daytona with a group of 25 students? And Tracy riding shotgun on Waze telling me how slow or how fast or how bad I'm driving? There's a lot of steps to that. But you want to know how you get to Daytona? One step at a time. You turn out of Redemption Church, 603 East 17th Street, and you start the journey. You want to know how you follow Jesus? One step at a time. And so what happens is you see this list, and it just keeps going. Jason, thank you. You can sit down. I might need you a little bit later, though. Yeah, even marker. You want to know how you start following Jesus day in and day out? One step at a time. And that's exactly what he asks. You remember how he approaches the guys fishing? They're out there on the boat. He comes to them, they're two brothers, and he's like, hey, follow me. And the Bible says immediately they drop their nets and they take off. Jesus didn't explain where he was going or what he was doing. He said, just follow me. Then he goes on down a little bit. There's two other brothers fishing, James and John. They're with their dad. Family business. Dad thinks he's got it made because his boys are working. And Jesus says, I need you to follow me. They left their dad, left their nets, took off and followed Jesus. Then he gets to this tax collector booth, probably the most hated man in the city. And the fishermen are like, hey, Jesus, come on. Why are you talking to this guy? And Jesus is like, Matthew, come on. Come and follow me. Shuts down his shop, gives up his living, and he follows Jesus. You see, if you're going to teach everybody else how to observe the commands that Jesus has given, it starts by following Him. You can't ask somebody to be something you are not. All right, so simple illustration. Shows, can you tell me that basketball? It's not a, it's not a great, it's not a great, there we go, <laughs> a little rubber one. All right, so in the room, there are a lot of guys that can shoot a basketball and teach you how to shoot a basketball. In the room, there are a few guys that think they can shoot a basketball and will tell you how to shoot a basketball. And then there's some that say, I don't want anything to do with it. I can't play. I can't shoot. Don't give it to me. If I'm going to ask somebody to teach me how to shoot a basketball, I'm going to need to make sure they can make a shot. Right? So, we'll say this is the goal. I'm getting ready to shoot. Tracy, what's wrong with how I'm shooting right here, right now? That's the goal. I'm facing this way. What's wrong? Face the goal. Face up. All right? Now what's wrong? Not formed up. I don't know what formed up means. What do you mean formed up? Hey, it's, there's so much detail that goes into shooting. Right? Robbie, show me a good form. What does formed up mean? Show me a good form. All right. A couple things that a lot of people, hey, <laughs> man, we got some hecklers over on this room, and we're going to ask them to shoot. We're asking them to shoot next time. Here's the thing. Robbie did something there that some people don't notice. Did you see where his elbow was? Bam. That's a perfect form. When you're coming up, you're coming through. That's how it's supposed to look. 
right? Some guys get a chicken wing out here. They shoot like, like your boy, ball, right here, and he's just throwing it at the rim. There's a lot of things that go into shooting, but you only know it if you can shoot. If you're following Jesus, it's easy to ask people to join you on the journey. And so before you tell someone else to love their enemies, make sure you are loving your enemies. Before you get on somebody doing drugs and doing all this, make sure you're doing what is right, what God has called you to do. You see, a lot of times church people love to point out what everybody else is doing wrong. And the church gets puffed up with pride. And man, they look less like Jesus than those who have nothing to do with God. So if you're going to teach other people to observe everything Jesus has called us to, follow him. So here's the question. Are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? And so that's a personal question. Only you can answer that. I won't know. But here's the invitation. Here's the Hear his words. As he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting out nets, and he said, follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. The invitation he gave to them, he gives today to you. If you're here today and you've never, ever given your life to Christ, do that today. He's calling you to follow him today. That's the invitation. Don't miss that. Do not miss that. Now, for others in here, you've been following Jesus. Here's my question. Who's coming with you? Who's coming with you? Do not be alone on this journey. I love, there, there's a book, The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Uh, this guy, super humble guy, this book sold uh, millions of copies. And, and what he does is say, hey, this is how Jesus made disciples. This is how Jesus made us. Hey, don't worry about the clicking. That's our great boiler system. When it's heating up, it's, it's pumping some iron, pumping some heat out here. Master Plan, he just says, hey, this is how Jesus did it. And you're not going to improve on his strategy. And he says it starts out with this selection. In Luke 6, 12 to 13, he says, In those days he went to a mountain to pray all night, and he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12. Jesus did not choose millions of people to spend the days with him. He chose 12. And this is what I'd love for you to start. So you're following Jesus. How do you make disciples? What do you do next? You need to pray. You need to ask God to lead you to some people that you can disciple, that you can encourage along the way. And this isn't something, uh, something insurmountable, like you, something impossible. This is something that you can do. And I don't want you to think that now you got to be around this guy or this girl every day for three years just like Jesus. It's going to look different. It could be somebody that you work with. It could be someone that you see on a weekly basis. It might be somebody you see on a monthly basis. So this has happened back in the day. I used to have to go to a barbershop, right? And here's the cool part. While I was there, my barber was going through some things questioning God, had some, some really good questions to ask. And it wasn't an accident that I went to that barber at that time in my life and his life. And I was able to help him follow Jesus as I was following Jesus. And that happened about every month. He moved away and I lost hair. But for a season, 
That's how I was making a disciple through haircuts. And you guys can do the same thing. John, you're at Elite Automotive, right? There's going to be customers that come in that are there to fix their car, and yet God's brought them there so you can help them follow Jesus. As you follow Jesus, you help others follow Jesus. Working in the schools, yes, you want students to pass classes, but there are students and teachers that desperately need Jesus, and as you follow Jesus, you can help them follow Jesus. It's not everybody. But God will lead you to certain people at certain times in your life, and you need to invite them, hey, you want to follow me as I follow Jesus? It's not very hard to do, is it? Pray about it. See who God leads you to. So that's called selection. Number two, association. There were 12 guys, and he said he called them so that they might be with him. Do you notice after Jesus called them, Jesus was never alone? There were always these guys around him. I love that. If you see the dust of Jesus, you'll start to see the faces of 12 other guys he called to be with him. He opened up his life. He invited others in. Association that they might be with him. Who gets to hang out with you? On your free time, who gets to invade that space? Who gets to raid your refrigerator? without having to replenish the supply. Who's in your life, who are you hanging with, that you're intentionally following Jesus together? That's what Jesus did to these. Um, you know, uh, Cobra Kai came out, and I don't know if we have any Karate Kid fans. It's going back in the 80s. Cobra Kai comes out, and Mr. Miyagi had this down, association. Right? Daniel's son would go to his house, and learn karate because he allowed him into his life. And now, granted, he got his cars waxed and buffed. He got his fence painted. That's a simple discipleship relationship. Association. Who is in your life? And you can be intentional with, with sharing the gospel. And so I'll, I'll share just a, a few with me. Right now, I've been praying for one of our coaches on the coaching staff. Doesn't go to church anywhere. Doesn't want anything to do with God. I'm inviting him just to hang out. And, and here's the cool part. We got to hang out at school because he's a teacher with me. And we got to hang out on the football field because he's on the staff. And I figure while I'm there, I might as well invite him to come with me. Then I invited him to go on a walk with me. We went over to Matt's house in Ludlow. Both of us are trying to cut weight. We, we didn't want the COVID pounds to stay on us. So we had the bright idea we're going to walk to Ludlow. Well, about halfway to Ludlow, we figured out that's too long of a walk. But we had a lot of conversations, right? I want him to hang out in our lives, associate, come in. Here's my life. If you want to hang out, we'll hang out. But we'll be intentional about bringing up Jesus. Next, consecration, set apart. I like this, this quote from the book. Jesus expected the men that he was with to obey him. They were not required to be smart or talented, but they were supposed to be loyal. When you look at the cost of following Jesus, that's, that's a pretty steep price. Remember what Jesus tells them? Take up your cross and follow me. There's a price to be paid. And so if you're going to make disciples, you will sacrifice, but those who follow you will see it and imitate it. They will sacrifice as well. Number four, impartation. 
Jesus gives Himself, and then He sends the Holy Spirit to be with us to the end of the age. Jesus was with Him. He, impart, he gave them wisdom. He gave them power. He gave them direction. And eventually, He gives them salvation by going to the cross. And what does Jesus do? And John, if you guys remember, the book of John, He says, hey, I'm sending another helper to you. Think about the disciples and the opportunity they had. Following Jesus is pretty easy, isn't it? You wake up, where he goes, you go. But Jesus said, hey, I'm sending somebody else and he'll be with you to the end of the age. Did you know that Jesus is still sending his Holy Spirit to direct us? And it's just as clear as the disciples had in following Christ. Next, delegation. Delegation. Jesus called the disciples and then said, hey, there's thousands of people here. How are you going to feed them? And the disciples are like, uh, Jesus, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. And he's like, well, what do you got? He brings the boys lunch. Some bread, some fish. And he says, all right, go hand it out. But you see how he's helping them do the things God's called them to do. They don't just sit and watch. They do it. A good coach won't do everything for the team. He'll give the team an opportunity to perform, to do what they've been taught to do. It's the same thing in your walk with Jesus. If you're leading someone to walk with Jesus, you're not doing all the work. You're showing, and then you're giving the opportunity to go and do it. But then, there's the opportunity of supervision. You don't just send them out. I made this mistake with my girls, two out of four so far, on training wheels and bikes, right? I was confident after taking the training wheels off with the first one, Ava, I send her out on the bike, flawless. No training wheels. I'm right there. I'm running beside her. Boom, she gets it. Once she got her balance, bam, we're good. I think I'm good. So by the time Balin gets ready for this, I'm going to do the same thing. She's ready for it. Take the training wheels off. Good luck, Balin. I didn't stay with Balin long enough. Balin went a couple of rotations, lost her balance. Bang! I look down. She starts crying, but she's tough. She gets back up. She tries again. And then she learns. Same thing happened with Camden. When we set them out, you got to stick close enough to where they don't fall on their face. Balin's the only one that busted up a knee on me. Camden fell, but I was able to catch her because I learned. Same thing's true when we're walking with Jesus. If you're helping others follow Jesus, don't send them on a mission without you going with them. Supervise them. Be there. Answer tough questions. And then finally, the last goal is reproduction. Do you want to know when you're finished making a disciple? When you're finished making a follower of Christ? When they're leading others to follow Jesus. All right? And I'll give you a, a simple illustration of this. My dad, lawn care. Sixth grade, he said, Ben, you're working with me. We're going to cut grass. You're not going to complain. When the trailer hits the driveway, I need you in the truck. He goes, I don't care about your curfew, but in the morning, when the trailer hits the ground, I need you in the truck. Deal. You want to know what happened? My dad didn't let me use the nicest mower right off the bat. He gave me a junky weed eater. It was a green weed eater. It didn't even have a brand name, right? He gave me this. He's like, hey, there's a tombstone, this section, cemetery. I need you to weed eat it. Showed me one time, said, here you go. This is how you get line out. This is what happens when the gas goes down. You take care of it. It took me forever to get around the first section my sixth grade year. 
Didn't like the weed eater. Didn't like how it was drilling my legs with all the rocks out there. If you've ever weed eated it with shorts on, you don't weed eat with shorts on after that, right? My legs are scarred up, they're bleeding, and that's like, hey, I need you to get done. Keep learning, keep learning. Well, then, eventually, after a couple of times doing that, got to move on up. I could also blow off sidewalks once you time. If anyone just grabs a blower and tries to blow off a sidewalk, it'll take you forever, right? It should be pretty simple, but if you have a lot of land, and we were doing a First Church of Christ out in Burlington, and this sidewalk seemed to just go on and on and on. And I don't have a backpack blower. I have a handheld blower. And this thing doesn't have enough power to blow grass off the sidewalk. So I'm going. I'm trying to kick the grass off. Dad's patient. He's like, hey, I need you to speed up. I need you to keep coming. So I've mastered the weed eater and the blower. But then he says, you know what? I think you can do the walk behind. I go, oh, perfect, Dad. Put the wheel on. I'm ready. He's like, uh, you ain't ready for the wheel. Gives me the walk behind. I'm just walking with it. And it's taking forever, but it's 48 inches wide. It's cutting the grass. We're getting there. After a couple of times doing that, a couple of weeks pass, get an open field. He's like, I think you're ready for the wheel. I was like, Dad, I thought you'd never say that. Put the wheel on the mower. So now I'm on the back and I'm able to put it up in sixth gear. I'm flying. Here's the problem. When I made the turn, my feet were still going this way and the mower went this way. I went into the woods. I look around. Dad didn't see me. Get back on the mower, try it again. And I learned. And now eventually, he let me on the laser. The laser is a couple thousand dollars, very expensive equipment. He said, I think you can handle it. Learned how to do it, got it done. A couple years ago, my dad finally took a vacation, right? And he tossed me the keys to the truck and the trailer. And listen, that made me nervous. Right, because it is how he made his livelihood. But I got to work with Andrew. I said, Andrew, I think we can do this. If we mess it up, I'm blaming you, but I think we can do this. We went out, knocked it out, and I even backed the trailer into the shop without hitting anything. And I think, look at how far I've come. I've made it big time. Driving the truck, driving the mowers, knocking things out. And it all started with a little weed eater. You see, that's a discipling relationship. And you might be sitting there, you're like, well, I'm not walking with Jesus like that. I don't even know how to start. You want to know how you start following Jesus? How, how, would, you, how would you encourage someone to start following Jesus? Exactly, Tracy. You start by reading this book. You see, it's, it's not real complicated. And so if, if I've got a student and I'm trying, I'm going to pick a book in the New Testament. I'm not going to start in Leviticus. Leviticus is super important, but I'm not going to start there. Let's start with a book with four chapters. Let's go to Colossians. Let's read through Colossians. What does God have for us there? And you can read through it together. Has anyone ever taught you to pray? I've had multiple people in my life teach me how to pray. Don't you think that's interesting? That's what the disciples asked. If you're reading the book of Luke, Jesus is constantly going away and staying up all night praying. And in Luke chapter 11, the disciples say, hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Nobody expects you to be awesome in praying. No one expects you to know the Bible from the front to the back as you begin your journey with Jesus. But you want to know what God does in you? You keep taking step by step and soon you got the keys to the truck. You know the books of the Bible. You know what God's called us to do. 
You're growing in faith. You're growing in obedience to God. Your marriage is turning around because you're loving your wife as Jesus loved the church. You're raising kids not for success in the business world. You're raising kids so that they love Jesus and do what God's called them to do. It transforms every area of your life and it starts with one step. And so my question is as you follow Jesus, who is coming with you? And that's the third thing. What's your life producing? All of our lives are producing something. And I was thinking about this with Ava with the basketball tournament, and I'm looking. Um, AAU is insane. Hundreds and hundreds of girls, high school girls, spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars and hours and going to different cities all to put a ball in a hoop. And now listen, I'm a huge sports fan. I think there's a lot of things that you can learn from playing basketball and football and all the sports. I'm not against football, but what I am against is a mom and a dad a family that elevate basketball. I'm going to produce the best basketball player I can. Because at the end of the day, that won't last. And in 30 years, it probably won't matter. I would love to see parents, brothers and sisters, as passionate about basketball or about the word as they are about basketball. What would it look like if a mom and dad said, you know what? We're going to do this this weekend. We're going to dig into the Bible every night. We're going to share something that God's doing in our lives every day. I'm going to pray for you specifically this, this, and this. I think our families will look radically different. I think our marriages will look radically different. What is your life producing? And then what is our church producing? Redemption Church is called to make disciples. And if we're not making disciples, we've got to change. And so what I'd like to do right now, as I pray, I want you guys to pray. And I just want you to do a little inventory of your own life. Number one, if you're not following Jesus, make that decision today and then tell somebody. Hey, we're family here. That is a very eternally important decision. Don't put it off. And God right now is moving and you're feeling that conviction like, that's a decision I need to make. Do it. That's God. You're not here by accident. God is inviting you to follow Him. And then... There's a group here, and you're like, but I've not been intentional about making disciples for a long time. One, I didn't know I was supposed to, but I'm going to start. Ask God to put three people on your heart this week and be intentional about inviting them to follow you as you follow Jesus. Maybe you're here, you're a believer, but you haven't been following Jesus. You want to know what the good news about God is? He's a God of grace. And when you confess, you're forgiven. And he picks you back up, he dusts you off and says, get back to following me. Maybe you need to do that today. This is what I do know. The word has been preached. God is moving. However he is leading you, make that decision right now. Let us follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for gathering us here this morning. Father, when it comes to making disciples, I pray that we're faithful and doing what you've called us to. And thank you for not leaving us alone, but you're with us to the end of the age. So Lord, right now I pray for those here. I pray for those that are dealing with whether or not they want to follow you. I pray that you open up their eyes to see how glorious you are. That you're worth more than anything this world has to offer. 
that in your presence is the fullness of joy. And so I pray that they turn to you right now. Father, I pray for the believer right now that's struggling with all sorts of sin issues. Pray that they turn to you. Lord, that they know that you can clean them, wash away their sin, that they know there's no condemnation for those who are in your Son. Pray that they know what forgiveness is, know what redemption is, and that they live it out. And then, Father, I pray for all of us that as we follow you, we invite others to join us in following you. So, Lord, I pray that you put specific people on our minds and in our hearts and help us be obedient to what you've called us to. Help us make disciples where you've planted us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.